walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Back. Yeah. 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 Fuck. There's a coffee stain on my shirt. Whatever. Ooh. Is my door open? Fuck me. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I am your host, the hardest part of the ring, known in some circles as Kyle. And we are here today. Man, look, what a weekend of wrestling, huh? I mean, uh, a week, really. Shit on my face. I mean, obviously, the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania of all time concluded this past week a great a great fucking show uh, i'm gonna be honest i mean we make fun of the stupendous and a lot of the build to it and you know normal wwe uh shenanigans at foot but uh both nights uh tremendous tremendous nights of action just just fun wrestling and not to i just wanted to touch on it a little bit but both nights man we're just super fun um, people, you know, oh, only this many minutes of wrestling. No, oh, only you know, you know, they this match, you know, it was only the seventy-eight stars, and it could have been eighty-five. Like, who gives a fuck, man? It was a fun show. Um, NXT was pretty fun too. I mean, yeah, and then you have like Ring of Honor, the super card show, and uh, I mean, AEW still doing their thing. You know, AAA didn't they have a show or something? I don't know. Um, lots of wrestling, as per usual, with uh, WrestleMania weekend. Cody Rhodes returning to WWE is just uh, insanity. Um, you know, Roman Reigns becoming the undisputed champion. You got uh, the Hall of Fame, of course. Undertaker getting inducted. A huge moment. Scott Steiner with a live mic. You got uh, what else? You got you got you know you know Braun Breaker becoming the NXT champion. You got. Uh, Ezekiel debuting lots of big things uh, happening uh, in the world of wrestling. And I know what you're thinking. Well, hardest part of the ring with all of this in mind, I got to get your thoughts on Cobra. <laughs> got, got, look, got to get got to get your thoughts on on Renegade defending the TV title. Got, got to get your thoughts on uh, the the amount of cocaine that Hulk Hogan is on in 1995, there's just so much. <laughs> Very topical, you see. This episode, Fall Brawl, 1995. Man, really brings you back down to earth, huh? Like all this great wrestling I'm talking about, and then we're back here 
uh, roughly uh, almost 20 years ago. And uh, we have a war game. War games. We have war games. And uh, the Hulk maniacs versus the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, right. Shark. Shark is here, everybody. Um, not to be outdone by Johnny B. Bad is back. He has been a few pay-per-views since we've seen him. So I'm glad to see uh, this blackface idiot back on our screens. Um, you know, you know, Renegade's here, of course. DDP and his uh, Build-A-Bear-ass gimmick, uh, whatever he is. And you got, you know, uh, Colonel Parker and Sister Sherry are fucking in the middle of the ring. You got Monster. The big show's here. He's running over Hulk Hogan's motorcycle. Well, I'm, I'm getting into it. You know, this is, this is like one of these trailers for a movie when all the good parts are in the trailer. But um, don't want to step on the show too much. But man, there is a lot of bullshit in the show. And uh, it is probably the most fun kind of uh, fodder for a podcast. So uh, no complaints here. But by golly, if I bought this pay per view, I would. Uh, I probably wouldn't do anything. I'd, probably, I'd be pretty upset, though. Um, but uh, that being said, this is a big period of time in wrestling because uh, we're here in September of 1995. And any, any, any WCW fans know we are fresh off the debut of Monday Nitro. Uh, that's right. You got uh, in the in the Mall of America that first episode, and a couple episodes after that as well. You got Lex Luger debuting, of course. That famous moment, you know, just showing up in the aisleway, and uh, the, the the really the first uh, first one to cross the line, at least the first big one, um, from WWF to WCW, and then the wars are thoroughly begun at this point. Um, WCW, we, we talk about it a little bit in the episode, but they make no, uh, they don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> they are, they are going head to head with WWF now. And it's, um, I think we're entering an exciting time in wrestling. So really, really excited about that. Like I said, we talk more about that in the episode itself, but, uh, really interesting time for wrestling and, uh, really interesting show, I guess. Interesting is the word I'll use for it. But, uh, if you like this kind of episode, you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to hear me ramble more about the wrestling wars of the nineties. Why don't you just go over? Why, why don't you just go to apronbump.com and you'll see an episodes tab towards the top right corner. And you can go there and you can select WCW if you want. And I'll bring you to all the WCW reviews that I've done thus far, going in chronological order, starting in the middle of 1994. Or if you want, you could even select Wrestling Wars of the 90s. And that'll bring you to chronologically all the episodes I've done for WWF, WCW, and ECW, so the, the, uh, the three major companies at play here, and uh, how all the interactions between them. And it's been a really, really fun time. And we're not even uh, at the peak of it yet. So. Go check that out. All my full episodes are there at apronbump.com. Check out the merch as well. Buy yourself a t-shirt. Buy yourself a a cat tail, cat of nine tails, uh, whatever you want. Rate, review. What else? What else do I need to plug? I think that's about it, right? Um, But yeah, to join me on this splendiferous episode here, we got Troy from the Main Event Marks podcast. Uh, you can find their podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts on YouTube as well. And a uh, really fun group of guys over there. Uh, Troy was a pleasure to have on this on this episode. 
Uh, just a hilarious time. So go check out the main event marks. Of course, they talk all kinds of wrestling. They do a lot of retro stuff. Uh, so, of course, if you're a fan of my podcast, you'll love what they do as well. Um, they have fun with it. And that, again, that's the point of all of this, right? So um, go check that out. And uh, yeah, let's just get right into it, baby. Let's just let's chug some Agent Orange and let's get into it. WCW Fall Brawl 1995 with myself and Troy from the Main Event Marks podcast. So uh, Fall Brawl 1995, little WCW action. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the show? Uh, I've seen the show multiple times. I, uh, to be honest with you, it's it's been a little while uh, since I saw it, but I yeah. I took notes on it the last couple times I watched it. So that's what I'm going right. That's right now. Yeah, yeah, because you you covered the show recently on your own podcast, right? Yeah, I want to say um, without going back and looking at my schedule, uh, like right in front of me, I think we did it as like a bonus show last. This was August, right? Or mm-hmm. no, September, last September. September, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, this is a show that'll uh, stick with you at least certain parts of it. So uh, definitely understand the. Uh, <laughs> You wouldn't really need to rewatch it for this, for sure, because there's some, uh, oof, there, there, there's, I mean, there's some good on this show, but uh, man, this show is just running off cocaine and bad <laughs> ideas, I think. Uh, but what were your overall thoughts on it, I guess, before we like get too deep into the matches? Uh, I mean, the show itself was, it, it was fine. It, it I mean it was better than average. I thought it wasn't like the worst piece of crap I'd ever seen. Uh, that being said, right. I went back and, uh, on a former podcast I used to do, we decided, uh, my co-host Greg and I decided 1995 gets a really bad rap. So let's mm-hmm. go back. Let's, let's really see if it deserves that bad rap. And we watched every pay-per-view from the three companies, uh, or three major U S companies at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. all through 95 and yeah it deserves the rapid gifts wcw <laughs> wcw was like slightly above like wwf was like really boring and kind of sucked wcw started out that way and i feel like toward like the closer you get to 96 it starts shooting up and this right. is where it kind of starts to take off yeah yeah because i do the same thing on my podcast too wwf wcw and ecw and yeah, I don't like WCW stinks. Like it's there there's like a few gems in there, but for the most part it's just like it just doesn't hold up over time, I don't think. WWF does have quite a bit of fun stuff. Um even like the stuff that's bad has like entertainment value to it, I think. I was uh, just so bored with it. I don't know. Like Yeah, I mean it's there's nothing really too compelling um like in the long term, I guess, but uh it's fun to kind of go back and watch every once in a while. But if I was like just watching that, like, yeah, it would be, it'd be cumbersome to say the least. Well, people might not like, they'd probably think, Oh, you're crazy. Unless you actually go back and watch it. One of the shining lights for me for WCW in the year 95 was Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> he, he opened every pay-per-view. I mean, yeah. I'm being facetious, but he opened almost every pay-per-view and he always had a banger. Like every time he was goofy as hell hit like yeah. he was over the top weird, but his matches were almost always great. 
So. Almost always. Yeah, yeah. At least in, especially in relation to the other matches on the card, which, uh, definitely oh, yeah. if we're talking, if we're just talking about match quality, I mean, there's one other match on the card that I would compare it to, but otherwise, yeah, for sure. Um, well, him and his Dungeon stupid Doom, tan. Man. I mean, D- Dungeon of Doom's running wild at this time, man. Oh, that was, I, God. my, like my co-host Greg always points out there is this, uh, this interview that Kevin Nash had done on the old, you remember the old legends round table they used to do? Yeah. 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 Uh, Nash said something about, uh, in 95 in WWF, they were watching WCW. He's like, well, we had to come up with something to counter that dungeon of doom angle, man. Cause that was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been, it should have been burned in a barrel somewhere. It was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, Dungeon of Doom is because I I didn't grow up watching WCW, so I've only heard of it after the fact, and yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of reliving it now, and <laughs> it is worse than you could have imagined. I mean, it's literally like like if you didn't know anything about the Dungeon of Doom, and you were just like, hey, do a parody of what a Kevin Sullivan group would be like. That that's what they are. It's just so goofy. They're like not menacing or intimidating at all like there's no reason to be threatened by them it's just it's just like a halloween store come to life and it's just awful in every way and they ate up a lot of tv time uh so there's that yeah and then and and as it went on uh the weird thing is you know when conan first came in wcw he's still doing the luchador stuff colorful whatever comes out the mask i mean that's still a stretch to fit into the dungeon of doom but he doesn't go into the Dungeon of Doom until he starts dressing like, you know, a, a typical, like some guy in East L.A., you know, you'd see whatever, yeah. like he did for most of his career. And he's introduced to like my we always laugh because when when they announce it, he's like uh, he, he says Dungeon of Doom for life. Vato. And we're like, what? Like, it just <laughs> doesn't fit. I mean, the group was stupid to begin with, but that was like. Conan's so cool. Why is he yeah. stuck with this? <laughs> I was actually made aware of this a few weeks ago on a uh, a TNA review I was doing because, of course, Conan was there. And yeah. in like 2005, he was still wrestling. He was, you know, the wife beater, the the baggy pants and all that stuff. Pretty much, I guess, yep. what he was in Dungeon of Doom. And my <laughs> guest, Matt Ritter, he was like, you know, Conan was just like this. In the Dungeon of Doom, I was like, "What? <laughs> that doesn't it like doesn't make sense?" But it also like does because it's so random, and it's like there's no really rhyme or reason to anything. So it's like, I, yeah, might as well. Well, and then they have Big Bubba in there too, you know, because you you always got to have <laughs> you always got to have a guy like Conan and a super white like hillbilly dude like Big Bubba that dresses mm-hmm. like a biker, and it just and then they're thrown in there with people like Zodiac and Shark and you know, oh, well. Well, well, we'll talk a lot about the Dungeon of Doom here at the end of the show here. But, uh, oh, yeah, man, I didn't know Big Bubba was a part of it, actually. He was, was he just Big Bubba? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I specifically remember covering around. It was after they kicked out Shark. Dropped the shark gimmick and he was his not John Tenta. I think it was in 96. Big Bubba like helped kick him out of the dungeon of doom. And then they got into a feud mm-hmm. because he like shaved Tenta's beard. So that started a feud. And right. They, and, it, and it culminated in the epic Johnson city, silver dollars match where <laughs> it was a sock full of silver dollars on a pole that they had Dude. to hit each other with. 
was that, that was Bash at the Beach '96, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I knew it was in our our archives. Because I was like, I know mm-hmm. I watched this crap. I just blocked it out of my <laughs> mind when it was. It was so bad. Yeah, because I watched that somewhat a few months ago, and that that match is a spectacle because the 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 silver dollars, right? That's what was hanging. Yeah, it was so high in the air, like unnecessarily high. It was like twenty feet in the air, and you had to climb these poles. You yeah, know, John Tenta half half a head of hair. Like it's it's just stupid. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Hart had to shimmy up that freaking pole just to get the damn thing. Boss man wasn't doing that shit, so he got to get no, Jimmy he just, Hart. He chucked him up there. He's like, go for it, dude. Yeah, that's what they had to do. It. These two big bastards. Um, yeah. But uh, in this timeline, where we're at, because we're still a little while away from that. Fall Brawl, September of 95, which just so happens to be a few weeks after the debut of Nitro. And uh, like I said, I didn't grow up watching WCW, so I have no context to what this was like. Did, did you, grow, by any chance, grow up watching WCW? Or you said you didn't, right? Uh, no, actually, my first introduction to wrestling wasn't until the road to wrestling. Well, right before the road to WrestleMania 14. Okay. So uh, I started getting into WWF then. I didn't know what WCW was until um, I had neighbors like two doors down. And that's all they watched. And then I started watching it because I would play the old Super Nintendo games. And most of the guys that were in those games were now in WCW. So I'm like, and 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 as a little kid, you're confused. You're like, so why is he Kevin Nash? And why is that Kurt Hennig? You know, like in this game, Mm -hmm. they're Diesel and Mr. Perfect. But that kind of got me watching a little bit of WCW. But uh, I find the older I get, the more I appreciate WCW. Yeah. For sure, yeah, definitely. I mean, if we're comparing Nitro to Raw in this time period, Nitro definitely has like a a breath of life into it that Raw is definitely missing at this point. Um, Just a new aspect of being live. And they're like very much like, they're not like sugarcoating that they're at war with WWF. It's very clear. It's like a constant theme throughout the show. Like, no, this is where the big boys play. You're not playing Kitty or whatever Hogan said to Luger that one time. Yeah, Um, right. But... Yeah, so that's a thing. Well, then you had the epic Mongo, Steve Mongo McMichael on commentary, man, with his Chihuahua. Of course, <laughs> it'd be ridiculous without the Chihuahua. Like, oh yeah, wasn't it Pepe or some crap? I think that, I was, that was Chavo's dog. That was Chavo's hobby horse, but I, for some reason, <laughs> I was thinking that was also the name of. I, I know I just said the words Chavo's hobby horse. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's funny because it's absolutely a fact. And it's, it's, yeah, it should like, be. <laughs> you can make you can't make this up. Why would you try? Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, I think that I, I keep thinking the, the Chihuahua's name was also Pepe, but I could be completely wrong. Somebody can co- correct me on that. You know, where society is in 1995, you have a Chihuahua. It's, it's either going to be Pepe or Juan or Taco Bell or so. it's going to be something like that, you know? Yep. Um. <laughs> But speaking of Taco Bell, this gentleman here does not eat a lot of Taco Bell. Johnny B. Bad. He is, uh, like you said, always kicking off these WCW pay-per-views. Uh, it's, so it's for the uh, the number one contendership for the United States title uh, because the champion Sting, of course, is in the War Games match in the main event. So this match is Johnny B. Bad versus Brian Pillman. Flying Brian Pillman. Uh <laughs> Sorry, my my first 
bullet here is Johnny shoots his load all over the crowd. Um, I forgot that I typed that, but yeah, he comes out. He has the the, the fuck yeah, the the cape, the gun. What, what did, did he have a name for the gun? The bad blaster. Oh fuck this guy! I <laughs> oh, the bad blaster. You know what? I in a weird perverse way, I dig it. <laughs> Do you? You big fan I, of the the bad? I I don't know what it's it's such a stupid effing gimmick. I just. But I dig it. I don't. I don't. I don't know why. I guess anything's better than Wild Man Mark Marrow. But <laughs> that's and you got a point there. Um, but yeah, and you got Brian Pillman, which I don't think he's here too much longer, right? When, when does he go to the WWF? Oh shit. Um, ninety six. Sometime yeah. Ninety six. Yeah. Yeah. Crap. I just. Damn it, because I just covered the ECW show that he was on when he's between companies. Right, right. And he threatened to pull out his Johnson and piss in the ring. <laughs> Wrestling. Wrestling is just the best. Yeah. Well, and then the crowd chain had let him piss, so that was, you know, fun. But well, they're, they're nice people. They're considerate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the opening match here is actually very good. It felt unnecessarily long, but it was a good match. Uh, for the most part, um, just I mean, the, the it had a very slow start, though, I must say it, it was just especially like like in the 94 pay-per-views and from WCW, it felt like every match had to, like a template where it'd be like a quick start and then a rest holds for 20 minutes and then the finish. And that's kind of what this match felt like. But the last like 10 or so minutes were uh, really fun, I thought. Um, I love this match. Yeah. Yeah. What anything uh, stick out to you in particular about this match? Um, <laughs> I mean, the wrestling itself was great. I didn't take a lot of notes on on the wrestling itself because I, I just yeah, I mean, watched and enjoyed. Um, I did. I did say you 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 neglected to mention. Not only did he do the bad blast, he he was throwing frisbees into the crowd when he was covering <laughs> the ring too. So that was another. Did he? Did he bring yeah, he the frisbee to, or did somebody throw a frisbee in the ring? I, I he carried a stack it. of like neon frisbees like the dynamic dudes used to and he chucked them into the crowd. That was uh, he was just like a walking pile of gimmicks. So, yeah. Uh, and then Bobby Heenan. Put, I, I took some notes on like crowd and commentary. Bobby Heenan had pointed out a young kid in the crowd that said uh, Bobby Heenan for president. And he said, that's the mayor of Asheville right there. <laughs> Of course it is. Bobby Heenan. He's just, uh, you, you do a whole episode on just things Bobby Heenan says. In yeah, the show. he popped he's, me multiple times in WCW. He's and the then best. Tony Skivone there uh, described the match as a Donnybrook at one point, in, not in a sarcastic manner. So that one, I was like, all right. I don't know, I don't know if I'd say I was a Donnybrook. I don't know if that's yeah. the word for this, but. Uh, he he yeah. used some interesting language back in the day. Yeah, he hasn't really changed. He's still kind of no. the same Tony Schiavone, but you got to love him. You got to love it's, him. It's not, I mean, now it's becoming more of a popular opinion, I guess, because his podcast took off so well, but I grew up as a huge fan of his. Like, I thought he was great, and yeah. apparently, and the older I got, I found out I was, like, in a minority, apparently. People hated him. Really? I don't get it. Like he always got crapped on in the Wrestling Observer. Uh, people just grew up not liking him for one reason hmm. or another. But I always dug his commentary. 
maybe i mean he wasn't the most like like calling moves like he wasn't really that guy he was kind of just like i mean he would walk you through like emotionally what's happening in the ring and i can kind of get that from maybe like the purest standpoint like oh yeah that's a three three handled moss covered family credenza call it yeah like but um i thought him and heenan were a great pair i thought their chemistry was really good and it was a contrast from before him you had jim ross calling and and i love jim ross i'm not putting him down but when he was especially in wcw man it's just like well you know he he uh played two years of football at who gives a crap state and you know <laughs> but screw your cousin iowa or something like who cares man? Like, <laughs> I always hated that. Like, yeah, he still doesn't. Still doesn't. I know. I'm like, I don't care where he went to. Like, some of that stuff thrown in once in a while is fine, but he would go off on a tangent like, well, uh, you know, his Sooners didn't do well today, you know, on the football field. I'm like, who cares, man? Like, he's, I'm watching he, he wrestling. He meanders. He, he, like, I was watching AEW the other night, and he was like, oh, Red Velvet, her her dad was a fighter. And uh, he just keeps going on and on about it. Like, who gives a fuck? She's like, she's a wrestler. Yeah. Undertaker famously said when he came to WWF, I guess Bruce Pritchard was saying Undertaker was like, if if he brings up my college basketball career, I'm going to snap. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy in the trench coat and is burying people in caskets. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he played center for such a like, hell of a point guard before he was a dead fucking zombie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, he was killing it on the court before he killed it in the ring. Uh, Well, I was that spot on. But anyways, (laughs) JR is not here, but you know who is? Johnny B. Bad, unfortunately. He's, um, oh man, they're just, they're just headlocking each other. They're, 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 the the hammer locks were a plenty in this match. Um, But there were a few spurts of, of, of greatness in the beginning you have johnny he suplexes brian from the apron to the outside which is, looked pretty brutal just took a flat bump brian did on the floor um people forget how good brian was in his like before he had his accident oh yeah i think uh yeah because he's kind of we're, we're, we're past hollywood blondes and and the story of this match kind of is Pillman's starting to turn heel a little bit. Like he's starting to get a little aggravated and you can tell like just by him coming out, he has like a different demeanor on his face. than he has like in the previous months, Johnny puts out his hand and Pillman doesn't shake it. And then later on Pillman offers his hand and then Johnny doesn't shake it. Like it's a whole like pissing contest kind of thing. Um, But then uh, I should note that there's a 20 minute time limit on this match. And uh, eventually the five minute warning gets called out by Michael Buffer. And uh, it's at this point where there's like a, a sense of urgency, I guess, by the competitors. And you have, uh, you have Johnny comes off the top rope and gets hit with a drop kick out of midair by Pillman, which is pretty nice. Uh, you got a nice sit out power bomb by Johnny B. Bad. You got a tombstone by Brian Pillman. Uh, all of these, you're getting two counts. And then, oh, my God, Johnny, Johnny B. Bad hits the tutti fruity. <laughs> You didn't misspeak, by the way. It's the, the, his, his finishing move. One of his 12 finishing moves is called the Tutti Fruity, which is like, uh, I don't know. It seemed like uh, like Tyler Bate. He has the bop and bang where he like holds up one hand and then punches God, the guy yeah. with the other. That's kind of like what this was. At least like, it seemed like it to me. There's Was this the... I forget. There's one where he front flips over the top rope. That's the... Let me check my notes here. The, the, the bad 
mood, the bad mood. Okay, because I thought the is the Tutti Frutti the shooting star or is that the bad day? No, no, no. The bad day is the top rope. Her and Kenrana. The bad. uh, What's the other one? I didn't know he had a fucking another one. The shooting star. Yeah, shooting. Yeah, he went. Then what the hell is the tutti frutti? I forget what that was. That, is that just the right hook he does? Or like, he, or? he just punches the guy. Like it's calls it oh, okay. the tutti frutti. So now it finishes people. Yeah, he had like five thousand names for his moves <laughs> that I forget. You're all freaking stupid. Comes out here with a bad blaster and has gives people bad chlamydia. <laughs> um, but uh, lots of two counts here towards the end, uh, and then it's uh, twenty minutes expires. We have a time limit draw on our hands, but uh, the ref makes it an executive decision because after all, we have to have a challenger for Sting. So now we're going to sudden death overtime in which I ask why bother even having a time limit in the first place. But uh, speaking of speaking of rules, just got to bring this up. The uh, the over the top rope disqualification rule. I, I guess that's dead. But the commentators didn't really get the memo because there's several points in this match where people just get tossed over the top rope. It's like, oh, he's going to get disqualified. But I guess not. You're still wrestling. Yeah. So (laughs) that was was a stupid ass holdover from the old NWA days. And I hated it. It was the flattest, most weakest ending to any match. It was it was used at least once per show. And no, I, I, I didn't I didn't get it. Should have, you know died long ago stone cold faced great muda and that match ended with an over the top rope disqualification so yep but uh now we're in overtime so the two guys are brawling on the outside uh we got air raid crashes top rope sunset uh, top rope sunset flip from uh johnny b bad uh tornado ddt from pillman we get the bad day and the bad mood from Johnny B. Bad, but that apparently is not enough. Not bad enough to finish the match. Um, but ultimately, the finish comes when uh, both guys run. They both hit the ropes on opposite sides, and they hit a cross body on each other. But somehow, Johnny lands on top of Pillman and uh, gets the win. Weird finish, but uh, Johnny B. Bad wins and is now the number one contender for the U.S. title. So, uh like I said, long match, but I feel like they're trying to give this kind of epic feel that differentiates themselves from WWF in a way. That was kind of my impression of why this happened the way it did. I just have to say, like, a, a time limit draw in the first match. Is this AEW? <laughs> yeah. It, in, in a lot of ways, it is. Yeah, and... And don't I don't want anybody taking this as oh he's crap on AEW, but like I because I, I like AEW, um, but like Tony uh, Tony Khan comes out and it's like oh we're nothing like WCW we don't we don't want to be anything like WCW it's like yeah, you're like WCW a little bit <laughs> yeah it's like eh, your ratings don't mean a damn thing I mean come on so uh, or rankings I should say not ratings mm-hmm. but yeah dude. Uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, you could tell they were getting tired as hell by the end of it because they were hitting a crap ton of high spots. Yeah, like one after the other. Yeah, and I was just really disappointed the fact that like both these guys would go on to do less important stuff in the WWF. And obviously, Pillman had like more like headline 
mm-hmm. stuff out of the ring in WWF, but he wasn't the competitor he was here, obviously, for the you know injury reasons. And I don't know what the hell happened with Mero. It just they didn't click. Yeah. Yeah. I guess um I mean, because we're approaching one of the hottest periods in wrestling, so uh, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. I suppose with all the stars that are uh, on the horizon. So and this one, well, this gimmick wasn't going to play in, you know, during the Attitude Era. No, no, not at all. Uh, Brian did get yeah. you know a good amount of uh, shine, especially like in the uh, the Hart Foundation and his whole deal with Steve Austin and stuff like that. So, um, but uh, yeah. So after that, we got a Ric Flair promo, and uh, whoever's anybody anybody listening to this. Uh, whatever you're picturing in your head, that's exactly what it is. It's a uh, it's a Ric Flair promo, and uh, he's going to be facing Arn Anderson later in the show, which is uh, crazy that this match happened. Um, yeah, and oh, I think I mentioned it before, but we're in Asheville, North Carolina, so we are thoroughly in uh, Horseman Country here. So big match, especially for the local audience. And um, Flair is basically making it clear that he loves Arn Anderson. Uh, they both bonded, uh, you know, through their tough upbringings as, you know, growing up. And uh, he's, you know, just whoa, just a lot of yelling and shit. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ric Flair. Ric Flair had a really tough upbringing being adopted by, you know, two doctors in a wealthy part of North Carolina yeah. or Minnesota or whatever. And growing up there and then, you know, being a football star, going to college on a free ride and all that stuff, you know, hard upbringing, man. I'll tell you. It's a tough life, man. It's a tough life. Yeah. We all, we all, some people just get that deck or hand or whatever the fucking saying is. Dries his tears with hundred dollar bills. Yeah. Poor guy. Just helicoptering away nowadays. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) speaking of helicopters. Oh God. Oh, we we got, we got a couple of uh, soldiers in this next (laughs) God. Um, so we got Cobra versus Sergeant Craig Pittman. Uh, so I, yeah, I it's Cobra. And I, I was I was going to do research on this Cobra fella, but I be honest, I didn't fucking care. Uh, Cobra is a G.I. Joe, right? He's our I think they're both supposed to be Marines and Sergeant Craig Pittman legit was i believe a a marine i believe that's it. Why his nickname is pitbull because that's like the unofficial logo for the marine corps is like a pitbull oh or or bull i guess bulldog i well his last name's pitman this. you know so yeah uh well you know who i, I you don't have to do research you know who who cobra is he's jeff farmer isn't he yeah jumping mm-hmm. jeff farmer yeah, the the fakes, the, the NWO sting. Of course, of course. Yeah, so he made a, he was big in Japan, and I'm not even joking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the reason I know Jumpin' Jeff Farmer, have you seen that famous promo of his, where it's it's like a really bad promo? Um, oh, fuck, I don't know where, it, it might be WCW. Um, yeah, I, I can't do it justice. You have to go watch it. Anybody listening, you have to go watch it. But he's like, uh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you. And it's been a while since I've seen it. I forget, I forget exactly what he says, but it's hilarious. Earlier we talked to Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Let's go now to that interview. 
Folks, there's jumping Jeff Farmer. Jeff, a while back, what a match you had with Motley. Yep. Probably the hardest match I ever had in my life. But I don't like it when things aren't my, going my way. Motley Cruz, you turn the tables on me. You turn the tables in a wrong way. You've got me mad now. I've stood around. I've listened to everything you had to say. I've did everything necessary. But when you turn around and you backstab me one way or another and you treat, cheat me out of what's rightfully mine, that's when I get angry. Now I'm the one doing the challenging. I'm issuing a challenge to you, Motley Cruz. Get in the ring with me. This time, I'm going full force. Jumping Jeff Farmer. Now let's go to the ring. So we got Cobra uh, versus Sergeant Craig Pittman here. And uh, so Pittman or Cobra comes out, which, by the way, his music, if you want to call it that, is like just a Morse code, like beep, boop, 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 beep, beep, beep. Yeah. And uh, really get you pumped up to see him wrestle in the uh, old squared circle. And then uh, you got Sergeant Craig Pittman, his music plays, but he doesn't come out. Uh, instead, one of his privates comes out. And uh, the private, he comes out and he gets on the apron. He's jaw jacking with Cobra. Cobra's like, hey, you go back there and you tell him, you tell Pittman to come out here. And as, as they're just jawing back and forth, Craig Pittman repels from the ceiling uh, unnecessarily. He could just, I don't know, walked through the crowd, you know, like everybody does. But what no, he- fun would that be? <laughs> come on. He is a soldier after all. He is a Marine. So yeah. um, repels from his helicopter, I guess, is what they'd like you to believe. He repels uh, on the future fake sting. How about that? That's long term storytelling right there. Damn straight. <laughs> uh, so Pittman, he he lands, I guess he uh, undoes <laughs> the harness and he again, very unnecessarily army crawls because remember, uh, this is War Games, this this show. Uh, so there's two rings. So he lands in the second ring, and he army crawls from that ring to the other ring under the ropes, gets up, has a belt in his hand, I think, right? And then he just wraps it around the throat of Cobra and starts choking him. And then a lot of shit happens. And then Pittman wins with the Code Red, which is not the flipping power bomb that you're probably familiar with. It's uh, it's an arm bar. Uh, so Pittman wins with the arm bar in very short fashion. Uh, but with all the effort that he made to sneak up on Cobra, I commend him for that. Thoughts? Uh, that is literally the only, um, <clears throat> the only compliment I had for this entire match was on a positive note. That was an original, an original way to start a match. Yeah. Uh, I did take some notes from. I gotta, I gotta break down this feud just a little bit, please. Um, I got some of these from Uncle Dave Meltzer, so I, because it was just hilarious the way he put it. Can I, can, can I guess? Can I just guess what the storyline is? Go for it. Did did one of them uh, like leave the other for dead in war? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Okay. Well, the the. I'll just say this and then I'll break it down what, what actually yeah. happened because it's 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 dumber than it sounds. Uh, but, but Meltzer said 
he was a, a, talking about Cobra's gimmick. He said he was a member of the CIA who Pittman left stranded in either a desert or a jungle in either Vietnam or Desert Storm or maybe Korea or maybe even in the Civil War. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> they just they were all over the map. And then he says that Pittman left Cobra stranded. But from my understanding, Cobra left Pittman stranded. And I because that's why I was confused because I'm like, mm. maybe I because Dave didn't understand it. Clearly, I don't understand it. I was like, why is he the baby face when he left Pittman stranded for dead? Right. But maybe I was wrong. I don't know. But nobody seems to know what the hell's going on with this feud. <laughs> nobody gave a damn. Yeah. I, I, it was, I it's just very the story's very. Hey, they're military. OK. Watch yeah. them. Watch them be military people. That's the only logic I think that went into it. The, well, the the other, you know, to show how much, how little anybody gave a damn about it during the match, which was only a mi- less than a minute and a half long, if you want to mm-hmm. call it a match. Uh, you know, a man is choking another man to death. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're just plugging Nitro for the next night. They're <laughs> like, they're like, make sure to listen into uh, to Nitro, and and Heenan says the announcers are Eric Bischoff and Steve McNuggets. <laughs> that's hilarious yeah yeah just casual murder occurring before your eyes but oh make sure to check on the uh call the hotline if you want to know where the funeral is yeah all right we got a hot tip for you on the uh wcw hotline somebody may or may not be coming in today tomorrow or never <laughs> call and pay me a ton of money please uh are, are you familiar with lucha underground at all I've seen clips, but never a full show. Okay. They did uh, almost an identical storyline involving uh, Killshot and Dante. uh, Oh, fuck. I forget what his name is. Um, But it's Swerve Scott, who Mm. was played a Killshot, who was like a military guy, but he wore a mask. Oh, that's uh, what the gimmick was? Okay. Yeah. And then there was basically a guy he left for dead (laughs) in the military. I forget what the exact circumstances were, but it's funny how like... That, that's why I was able to guess kind of what it was, because it's, it's wrestling kind of just bases itself off the pass all the time. So which underground was cool for some things, but it just uh, I had a friend who kept up with it and he's like, yeah, I tuned out as soon as they got the infinity gauntlet. Yeah, that's a good time to tune out seasons like if you started like halfway through season one and watched like until halfway through season three, that's like all gold. But uh, yeah. Brian Cage gets Infinity Gauntlet and he starts killing people. Yeah, it's, it becomes stupid. Yeah. You got Jack Swagger's world champion. It's, it's all stupid. But Oh, is he? I did not know that one. He's, he's, he's still, I guess, today uh, the Lucha Underground champion because that's when they went defunct. And so I guess it's his fault, I suppose. Well, I mean, hell, what a, what a feather in your cap, man. Yeah. <laughs> you just hang that one on the wall. <laughs> he does. He doesn't have a lot. <laughs> he has a lot of wall space. Let's put it that way. Um, oh God! But fuck, man, I, I'm like, I keep forgetting all the shit that happened on this show. Um, I mean, this is a treasure <laughs> trove of bullshit, dude. I, I swear to you, what I have written down here is Paul Orndorff bullshit. <laughs> that says it all. So, good night, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, that's the show. Um. <laughs> So I guess it's like a pre-recorded thing from a previous live event or because it, it wasn't Nitro. It wasn't Saturday night. It was like WCW. Do you remember what it was? It was like 
prime time. Oh, God. Or... I think it was main event or something worldwide. like that. Worldwide. 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 That's, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess he lost a match against Macho Man. And Paul Lorndorf, he's, he's been struggling lately. He hasn't exactly been racking up the wins. Uh, he lost to Renegade at Bash at the Beach. He's he's oh, he's God. lost himself. He's don't you worry, don't you worry. We'll get to Renegade. Um, God Paul, bless Paul Ardor for putting his ass over. On <laughs> Somebody had to carry the ass. Yeah, right. But Paul Ardor, if he goes into his locker room, he slams his towel. He's like, "Gosh darn it, I I don't even know who I am anymore." And he's he's it's just quick cuts to him, you know, walking in various directions in his locker room. He's, he's banging his head against the mirror and the, the locker. Uh, I don't even know who I am anymore. Well, yeah. Cause a good time to question yourself is always right after losing to the macho man. Yeah. What a, what a <laughs> pussy. Right. And, um, <laughs> you couldn't even beat him. What, what good are you to us now? <laughs> but then, uh, lo and behold, Gary Spivey appears. Uh, what can you tell me about Gary Spivey? Gary Spivey of the Psychic Companions Network? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's who he is. That's exactly what he, like, that's exactly what he says. Paul Orndorff, that is. Pronouns, pal. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that's it. Wow. Yeah, because he, because nobody knows who Gary Spivey is, I guess. And for being a professional wrestler for, like, well over a decade at this point. Orndorff, uh, he's he's done promos, uh, he, and he's been on camera. He acts like this is first day of acting class. Dude, this this just strikes me as him getting a bad script. I'm gonna be honest, but it's uh, a it's a bad script, and you couldn't like like Patrick Stewart would struggle making this work. But it's still, it's just it's so. I I'm gonna go with he was like, why should I give a shit? Yeah, (laughs) that's got to be it, because like he shouldn't. This is that's what I was asking myself as I was watching this. Yeah, he's uh, because Gary Spivey, uh, I don't know anybody unaware. I guess he's a psychic. Uh, His hair is a big sponge on his head. Yeah, it looks like like Epcot Center or like the big ball at Epcot. Yes, yes. Good call. And um, I don't know. Gary's like, hey, you're Mr. Wonderful. And Paul's like. I am Mr. Wonderful. And then it's that repeated over and over again for, I don't know, 25 minutes. It felt like, and, uh, (laughs) while he looks into a mirror, Gary Spivey's here to give Paul the vision that he's Mr. Wonderful. So can't wait to see how that plays out. I, I, just one more quick thing about this. Well, first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, we get this epic, his epic future theme from this. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. How's that go? It was like, um, it sounded like a beauty contest, like whatever. And it's like, he's Mr. Wonderful. And it's just, yeah. Good. Just YouTube it. It was the, it's horrible. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> your, your listeners, YouTube <laughs> it. Look, misery loves company. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, no, so, but anyway, uh, he, Orndorff, when he was talking to Gary Spivey and doubting himself, he said that he used to be the highest, highest rated wrestler in the entire world, and he had so many belts, he couldn't carry them all. I feel like that isn't true. 
I can't remember one belt he ever had. <laughs> I, I, That's I, not a knock on Orndorff, but like what? Call in if you if you know uh, any belts that Paul Orndorff. <laughs> Uh, well, that's that's the great mystery has he ever won a championship yeah that phantom title in uh, uh, uh rio linda or whatever yeah he lost to hogan at wrestlemania one right and uh yeah he much- was, yeah he's part of the tag match um he faced at the big event he faced hogan for the world title there too and also lost so yeah i mean great career for mr wonderful i'm, I'm not gonna uh yeah this isn't the fuck Paul Orndorff podcast, but, uh, oh, no, I, yeah, he was a great heel in 1995. I don't really care to watch him kiss his own face in a mirror personally. Uh, no, I, I'm passing on all that. And did, am I remembering correctly or did he leave like a lipstick stain on the mirror when he kissed it? I don't think so. Maybe it was just general moisture. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe, but I, I don't remember that part. I just remember he came out to the ring like kissing and kissing the mirror and looking at himself while that god awful song played. And well, he's yeah, wonderful, was, you see. Yeah, and we were supposed to give a shit. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what is also wonderful. It's the Renegade. This next match. Oh yeah. God. Um. Good God. <laughs> Fuck. The hits just keep on coming. We got the uh, the television title is on the line here. The champion of the Renegade, uh, accompanied by Jimmy Hart, versus Diamond Dallas Page, accompanied by the Diamond Doll and Max Muscle. What a cast of characters out here. Ten uh, bucks for anybody that tells me who Max Muscle is. <laughs> well, you see, he has muscle. <laughs> To the max. Oh, come on now. We're cooking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we got Diamond Dallas Page somehow looking more ridiculous than the Renegade does. <laughs> what the cigar, the the glasses, the uh, what? What? How would you describe his attire? It's like a one piece, like jumpsuit, kinda. Yeah, like he's uh, he looked at like a diving outfit and was like, I could do something with this. Mm-hmm. And then he made it somehow look dumber. <laughs> it's like if you're creating a wrestler in a video game and you're like in a rush, like that, that that's what comes out is this version of DDP. And then you'd go, God, I'm not uploading this to community creations. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's add a little context here. So DDP is fresh off a red hot feud with Elax, um, which is uh, David Sullivan, if you're not aware, the brother well, of Kevin Eban. Sullivan. Fuck, who's Elax is a uh, a Ring of Honor wrestler. That's uh just as ridiculous. But Evad, you're right. <laughs> you're you're right. Thank you. Yeah, because uh, that's Dave spelled backwards as Evad, I guess. Oh shit! It is. Wow, I never. <laughs> you just blew my mind there. Okay, all right. Now <laughs> yeah. it makes sense. Now it, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't, but it kind of does. <laughs> um, I forget exactly what happened in the feud, but I think DDP ended up fucking as rabbit. Um, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, it involved a it involved a lot of arm wrestling and rabbits. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that rabbit in its cage got punt kicked by Brian Pillman about a year later. Oh man, uh, what's his name? Ralph. Ralph the Rabbit, of course. Oh God, I didn't even know it had a name. So I- <laughs> <laughs> we just have a, a pet rabbit and not name it. You're just talking silliness. <laughs> yeah, that's that. See, that's where it falls off the cliff for me. Right. The name that that that's when you just couldn't 
invest your time into it. That's yeah, right. Too like, well, if you're not going to take this seriously, why should I? Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Diamond Dolls here, and then there's underlying theme where uh, she's getting abused, I guess, by DDP, at least verbally. I don't know what they're doing behind closed doors. Um, I think she was in love with Eva. There was the whole thing. Threesome with he the was rabbit. In love with her for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the, the, you know, Renegade and DDP are in there doing something. I guess you would call it wrestling. Um, every time DDP does a move, he t- he points at the diamond doll and he's like, hold it up. And then the doll has these various cards with the number 10 on it and she would hold it up, but she's very unenthusiastic about it. Um, you got another one of his, you know, we talked, I, I brought up, I said, uh, Johnny B. Bad was a walking bag of gimmicks. Like, good Lord, DDP. It's like he fell into the box of gimmicks and pulled out everything. <laughs> it's like every stereotypical heel, like wrestling gimmick is, is yeah. Like you said, he just combines them all. And they all suck. Yeah. Very bad. <laughs> but, uh, Renegade's busting out. He busts out like a cartwheel backsplash in the corner, which is pretty impressive. Maybe he should, should have been a gymnast instead of a wrestler. Um, follows it up with a double axe handle off the top rope. But then uh, towards the end of the match, Max Muscle, which for, you know, just to remind everybody, he has a lot of muscles uh, to the max, to your point, Troy. Yeah. And uh, so Max Muscle, he's on the apron. Renegade sends Dallas into Muscle, knocking him off the apron, uh, which allows Renegade to give Dallas a power slam. And then he goes to the top rope to follow it up with the splash. But he stupidly decides just to dive onto Max Muscle instead, who's standing on the outside. And uh, as Renegade gets back in the ring, Max holds his ankles. And uh, this allows DDP to hit the diamond cutter onto Renegade as he's like half in the ring. And this gives DDP the win. And we have a new TV champion, much to the chagrin of the Diamond Doll. So, uh, yeah, good stuff, right? Uh, sure. All right, next match we got. <laughs> no, no, this, uh, oh my God. Well, you know, you talk about feathers and caps, man, beating the Renegade on pay-per-view. <laughs> I think he was undefeated at this point, if I, if I remember correctly. At least yeah, on pay-per-view I, he was. I joke, but they tried to do something with this dude. I, like, God knows why. Well, because he looked like the Ultimate Warrior, that's why. Wait, but, hold on. You telling me that there's influence from the Ultimate Warrior in the in the character Renegade? I, I I believe before he was introduced, Hulk Hogan called him his ultimate surprise. <laughs> and then they had like the silhouette that looked exactly like Ultimate Warrior, and then you got this asshole runs out. Yeah, it's like when you order Ultimate Warrior off a of wish. Yeah. It just and I like I, I don't know why I always have to say this so people don't get pissed off, but I, I know the guy committed suicide. He's not with us anymore. I'm not mm-hmm. shitting on the man, shitting on the character. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. And he was a bad wrestler. Arn Anderson described it as wrestling a cement mixer. <laughs> God, yeah, I forgot Arn Anderson had a match against him too. Yeah, he really was just Multiple. put in. I mean, you had to put them in with like a seasoned veteran that knew what they were doing. Otherwise, it would just go off the rails. AKA this I, match. 
man, for all the dirty crap that Arn Anderson pulled while he was part of the Horseman, like you know him putting over the Renegade multiple times just erased all of that. It was like, you know what, you're not such a bad dude after all, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, lots of uh, a lot going on there. But, Meltzer uh, called this match. He said it was like Terry Funk wrestling a broom kind of routine because he said like Paige had nothing to work with yet somehow he made it not completely like barf inducing. Yeah. Yeah. We shit on DDP's character, but in the ring, he was fine. You know, even at this point, oh, yeah. he still had a lot of character elements to figure out and he would figure it out and would become arguably the biggest like homegrown guy that WCW ever produced. So, uh, he'd shed like one gimmick per month there for a couple of years until he got down to the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And he was finally just wrestling in jeans. Sometimes it's what you gotta do. It's what you gotta do. Um, but man, I know what you might be thinking, man, that was a lot of bullshit right in a row. Um, so we're bound to have something good next, right? Well, not really. You'd so be wrong. <laughs> we got the tag team titles on the line, the stud stable, the team of bunkhouse buck and dirty Dick Slater. Uh, Hell yeah. Accompanied by Colonel Robert Parker, of course. So we got the stud stable versus Harlem heat with sister Sherry. So I'm going to be honest, this match is boring as fuck. And I would have rather just watched a porn between Colonel Parker and Sherry. Those are my thoughts on it. What about yours? Well, on the one side you had, uh, you know, you had a dirty dick and you also had uh, bunkhouse buck and Dick Slater. So <laughs> it just, uh, God, I like, I'll tell you what, man, I see Jimmy golden slash uh, bunkhouse buck on the, uh, marquee and my ass is in the seat. Yeah. I don't know about you, man. Well, that's what everybody knows about you is that you're a, you're, you're a bunk star. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I, I am a huge mark for bunkhouse buck and his God dang widow's peak <laughs> and dressing like a prospector. And yeah, oh, that's shit. He's well, he's from Tennessee. So that means we hate him. I think that's his yeah. character. This whole thing just like this, the stud stable sucked. It's very bad. I heard at one point Dick Slater was good. I never, I, I don't know. So that's what they say. I will say this Buckhouse Buck did have some pretty good matches with Dustin Rhodes like a year before this, like Buckhouse matches and they bull rope matches. They were, they were, you know, fun, bloody brawls, but otherwise, yeah, not a lot of value. Uh, got his shirt ripped off every damn night. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta see that beautiful body. Um, yeah. But I mean, in this match, Booker T, I mean, very much stuck out as the star in this match. He's, he's the only one in this match that gave it. Well, Sherry is not technically in the match. So like if, if you had to count her Booker and Sherry, you're the only two people I gave a damn about around this. Yeah. I like, Stevie Ray is going to go down in history as being famous for tagging in Booker T. Yeah. I, I don't give a damn about the other two over the hill gang there. Yeah. I don't know. This was, this was bad. Harlem heat just didn't have much until the Steiner brothers came along. They needed a team to work with for sure. Yeah, They get these guys and then the effing nasty boys. Like, oh, you're not going to be smart. The nasty boys on this podcast. First of all, God, we're the boys. I, I, We're the boys. 
I nasty boys. All right, go ahead. What was up? <laughs> My dad met them at an, an airport sorry. in Atlanta, and he said uh, Knobs is like super cool, uh, yeah. and Sags doesn't really say much. He just kind of sits there and, and like nods along. I just, oh my God, I never once gave a shit about the Nasty Boys or anything they ever did when they came into TNA and they built up this dream match between them and Team 3D. I'm like, whose dream? <laughs> it's a wet God, dream. not in their prime would I give a shit about this. Oh. So I don't know. I, Poor Harlem Heat, man. I mean, Stevie sucked, but poor Booker T, I'll say. I, I liked the Harlem Heat as a tandem, but to your point, yeah. if they didn't have a good team to work with, the matches weren't really there. Um, they had a great God presence it, to them. Tried. The promos were great. Uh, the whole act of Sister Sherry, I loved it. Uh, but once the bell rings, it's, you know, I haven't seen a ton of great Harlem Heat matches yet. Yeah, I just watched back uh, Spring Stampede. <clears throat> excuse me, Spring Stampede '97, where you know Booker infamously drops the N word during his promo, talking about Hulk Hogan. So you know that was fun. How's that go? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen to the uh, you know when I when I cover it, I dance around it. So there you go. <laughs> Hogan, we're gonna get you. Um, but uh, the match. So I should I should mention the underlying uh, storyline here is that uh, I guess Sherry hit her head at some point and got amnesia. Uh, which I, I want to hear about people getting amnesia nowadays. That seemed like a very nineties uh, occurrence. It's like quicksand. You don't really hear about it anymore, but uh, they remake overboard or whatever the hell where somebody falls off the, uh, off the side of a boat and gets amnesia. Probably. I think, they, I think they remade that recently. So that's like, you, like before then, I think the only time, the last time I'd heard of it was that, uh, Oh, whatever movie with uh, Jim or Jim Carrey got amnesia and they thought he was a soldier returning home. Was that me, myself and Irene? Uh, the Majestic. That was it. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Side tangent. No, no. You're good. <laughs> I'd rather talk about that in this match. But uh, so Sherry, I guess, hit her head and now is in love with Colonel Parker. Um, so the match is happening and remember there's two rings. So while the, you know, the, the match is plodding along in one ring and the opposite ring, you got Sherry on one side of the ring, Colonel Parker on the other side, they both get on the opposite aprons. They, they catch each other's eye. They get in the ring, they walk into the middle and then Colonel Parker just starts mouth fucking. Sh- no, they, they start uh, making out, uh, kissing all over the face. Like uh, rabbits. Like rat. There we go. There we go. Everybody. Yeah. Like Ralph. And uh, God. so uh, they're making out in one ring and in the other ring, the nasty boys are here. Your favorite. Uh, yeah. I guess at some point, Dick Slater lost one of his boots. So the net one, uh, I think it's Nobbs grabs his boot. Yeah, of course. Nobbs uh, grabs his boot and hits Dick Slater in the face with it. And one of the Harlem Heat guys covers him. And we got new tag team champions of the Harlem Heat as uh, Parker and Sherry uh, continue to go at it. And uh, we'll catch up with that situation in nine months and see where we're at. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's yeah. fired. That's where we're at. <laughs> Does she get fired I, after this? I'm not, I think I'm being serious, too. They did let I mean, her I go at one point. 
you never really yeah. know with Sherry Martell. But uh, yeah, any other thoughts on these shenanigans? Oh, God. Uh, where do I begin? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I gave it two stars. I, I, I think I overrated it. Um, I was trying to be nice. Yeah, it was like fine, but uh, to, uh, to me, it was just boring and I couldn't get invested in it. No, I didn't give a shit about this feud or anybody in it. Uh, yeah. And I I will say in the hierarchy of tag teams, I mean, I just shit all over uh, Nasty Boys, but I put them above the Bushwhackers at least. So there's that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, not to get off on a sidebar but uh, i was at russell con in 2018 the year that the bushwhackers went in the hall of fame mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh i was out waiting in line for something and my co-host greg went in the restroom came back and said uh uh i don't remember which one it, which bushwhacker it is it's not on crutches but he said um i just saw it he took a shit and then walked straight out of the bathroom without washing his hands <laughs> so, so so he said don't go like, you know, if you go to get his autograph, don't go shaking his hand. I was like, yeah, because I would I'm going to make a beeline for the goddamn bushwhackers. Like, <laughs> he And he said, good point. And we went about our day. Hey, man, the bushwhacker fecal matter on your hand. That could go for a lot of money. This is pre COVID, too. So I I could have been patient zero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll start it with the bushwhackers. Yeah, <laughs> but. No, this thing, man, I just, I really didn't take any personal notes on it other than, uh, Dave, I thought Dave Meltzer was a little brutal on it. He gave it negative one star. I didn't feel it was that damn bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, it wasn't bad. There was just no emotion. There was no, the the story sucked. The feud sucked. I mean, it was bad. It just wasn't like horrible bad. It was just like, this isn't good kind of bad. Right. I don't need this on my pay-per-view screen, basically. Yeah, I'm like, this should have been on Nitro or Worldwide or whatever the F. Don't like, why are you making me pay for this shit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but at least we get Colonel Parker and Sherry making out. So, um, oh yeah, that's pay-per-view worthy. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, but finally, we got some competent wrestling on our hands now. Arn Anderson versus Rick Flair. Wouldn't you know a match broke out on the show? Well, just a wrestling on my bullshit show. Um, What's going on? I I would actually like to see where Paul Orndorff is. I would I'd like an update on that, please. Um, yeah. But we got uh so the Horsemen. Essentially, I don't know if they've broken up necessarily. There's just a lot of tension between the two. They're on hiatus. They're on a hiatus. Absolutely. Uh, but from the video package, it seemed like it was Hulk Hogan's fault uh, because ever since Hulk Hogan debuted in WCW, Ric Flair has been pretty unhinged. Uh, he's kind of un- unseated as from the number one spot and uh, even you know lost his job at one point, you know, when he lost to Hogan in a steel cage and had to retire when last it maybe. Not, well, let's not forget about the time he showed up in the crowd dressed in drag. Of course, to attack Macho Man because that was totally necessary. Lipstick uh, and all. No, it was uh, during a strap match between Hogan and Vader. Was it? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it because was. Hogan did, dragged Flair around mm-hmm. the ring to touch the four turnbuckles. And I was like, 
what the shit is this? <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that was uncensored, I believe. Um, if I'm remembering oh God, correctly. It might have, no, no. Uns- what was the other bullshit that happened at uncensored? I'm sorry. I try, I try to block that out of my mind. Uncensored is probably the worst show I've ever seen uh, thus far. Uh, they had the King of the Road match, of course. Oh, God. Um, yeah. You had Harlem Heat and Nasty Boys fighting in a concession stand, uh, squirting each other with mustard. Um, yeah. And that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Well, 95 and 96 are just classics, man. <laughs> Because 96 was uh, that, like, three-tiered cage. Remember the Alliance to end Hulkamania? I've only seen the Ready to Rumble, so uh, does... Uh... Well, this one was, like, three equally-sized cages stacked up, and Hogan, and Hogan and Savage started on the top cage and had to battle their way down through, like, 200 guys. Well, that sounds fantastic. It sucked. No, that's a shame. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, by the way. It was uncensored. God, I blocked that so far out of my brain. I just just remember that show being just shit, shit, shit from start to finish. And that was just the icing on the cake. Hey, man, that was their competition with WrestleMania. I mean, that was awesome. I don't know if that was even better or worse than WrestleMania 11, though. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) So who, who needs Bam Bam and LT when you've got, you know, this shit? Yeah. God, um, but we got Arn Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair here, and the story, you know, in general. I mean, Arn Anderson, he's basically been the guy uh, backing Rick up for years and years, and feels he doesn't have the respect from Flair that he has from everybody else, and uh, Flair's like untrust kind of building between them, and uh, Flair wants to prove that he he's worth being the guy for Arn to. Uh, to back up, essentially. Am I, am I missing anything on the, on the backstory? No. Uh, <clears throat> these are probably some of the best promos, and, and that's a crowded field, but some of the best promos Arn Anderson ever cut. Um, oh, yeah. And I always said the the other members of the Horsemen, spe- well, specific, not all of them, but specifically Arn and Tully, would have been bigger in the wrestling landscape if they weren't backing up Ric Flair. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know if they would have reached the, like, cause he kind of dragged them in a way to be top guys. So I don't yeah. know. We'll never anything, really know. Anything coming behind Flair is going to look less than. Mm-hmm. So that's why Arn and Tully, I think aren't remembered as well, but Arn was fantastic. Oh, so good. His promos are really good too, which doesn't get talked about enough. His promos to this day are great. Yeah. So it's Glock out, man. Yeah. It's he, he does some good stuff. It's sad to see. Um, and he talked about the neck surgery that ended his career and everything. It's sad. And you can, uh, you can see it in his hand, like his hands, like paralyzed, whatever. Mm-hmm. Effing sucks. But unfortunately we see that with a lot of wrestlers that were once great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this match, I mean, naturally, it's its a very good match. You have a bunch of wrestlers in the audience. They're really building this to be like a uh, like a classic wrestling match. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, by the way, in the, in the audience, which is a fun little cameo. They had a few guys come out like Boss WCW, Man was out there. 
yeah, Johnny WCW be bad. did that a few times. Yeah, with like the crowd or not the crowd, the locker rooms unloading. Yeah, like people watching up close and personal. That's a cool little touch. Makes it feel like a big deal. I don't think WWF ever did anything like that ever. No, they do the little things where they'll like walk out and appear and then leave. But yeah, or or people watching a monitor backstage. Right. Or they'll just say people are watching the monitors backstage. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you know, kind of what you would expect from this match. You have Flair working the leg, you have Arn working the arm. Uh, they're playing off of how well they know each other. So like, for example, uh, Flair gets whipped into the corner, does the little flip thing over the top rope. And he always does that. And he sprints to the opposite corner, climbs it for the axe handle. Uh, but before he could reach the other corner, Arn charges at him. But Flair was thinking one step ahead and, you know, pulled the top rope down. So Arn, you know, charged and went to the outside. So little things like that I liked from this match. Um. And then towards the end, you have uh, Flair. He locks in the figure four, but Arn blocks it with his hands. So he prevents the other leg from coming down, uh, which is a cool little touch. You don't really see that a lot as a way to block the figure four. Uh, and naturally, you get the, you know, reversing the pressure by flipping over. And uh, but towards the end, Brian Pillman's back. He uh, he was another one of the guys that they they showed watching the match in the crowd. He, uh, he gets on the apron. He tries to uh, distract Flair, but Flair's like, ah, whatever. Uh, so <laughs> Pillman punches him in the side of the head, and Flair walks right into a DDT from Arn Anderson for the win. So Arn gets the win over his uh, leader, I suppose. And uh, definitely, I mean, with all the stuff that's the rest of the stuff on this card, this is a diamond in the rough, to say the least. I gave it four stars when I watched it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, there's a part where Rick locks in the figure four and him and Arn are like shouting and going back and forth and he like spits on Arn. And, oh, like, yeah. That was good stuff, man. I mean, these two just like went at it. I couldn't help but think, though, that if Vince Russo was booking this, He'd have all this built up in anticipation for months of all this planning and the promos and everything. And then they get in the ring about to lock it up and then they just like smile and hug it out. And the audience would be pissed. All that. <laughs> yeah. Swerve, bro. Bro. They'll never see it coming, bro. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, really good stuff. And again, like they're really trying to uh, drive home the fact that uh, Brian Pillman's a big deal. I don't know what pans out after that with Pillman. He does join the horseman. Um, okay. Okay. So it's a little, and I know like by the time, like the summer, probably even earlier of 96, they're all back together. So, um, but a good little hiatus, like you said, and uh, fun to see these guys lock up when you don't normally see that. I want to say they get back together right after this. Like it doesn't go much further. Yeah. That sounds about right. Pillman. I don't know if you ever saw, he actually wore a four horseman t-shirt in wwf a couple of times did he <laughs> yeah i'm like shit like that would never get passed today nah vince doesn't know the four horsemen are um which one is tully god damn it <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh man well we're here the main event of fall brawl of course is the war games match 
So we got the Hulkamaniacs, the team of Hulk Hogan, Lex Luger, Randy Savage, and Sting versus the Dungeon of Doom, the team of Kamala, Meng, the Shark, and Zodiac, accompanied by the Taskmaster. Please tell me you're going to talk about these promos before I, the match. Ugh, I don't even. I rewatched <laughs> it because I watched it the first time and I was like, what? So I watched it again and it was didn't make any sense to me a second time. Can you like explain what like what happened Pe- here? People can find the Kevin Sullivan because I've actually searched for this shit. Don't ask me why. But um, you can find the Kevin Sullivan promo. It might still be up on YouTube. By itself, if I dropped a ton of acid and smoked about a pound of weed, I couldn't have come up with this shit. <laughs> I was like, what the hell am I watching? And nothing like, he's saying like makes sense. Like, and he's got all these trippy lights and shit. I think this is, I'm pretty sure that's the one, right? Where he's got the, the light show and shit. And he's just yeah. saying, load up the death wagon. And I'm like, what <laughs> the? F- that's, the- yeah. The one-eyed raven, brother. Like, I don't... He says it. He was saying the shit like it made sense. And I'm like, yeah, sure. One-eyed raven, death wagon. Cool. Whatever. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's just funny watching because we see gimmicks like this. I don't know, like Wyatt family or, uh, you know, just spooky gimmicks of factions and just people in general cutting promos and vignettes. And it's just funny to see like a very like rudimentary like not, not without all the effects i mean it, they had like effects but it was just like so bare bones and like you can hear what he's saying and it's like it doesn't really there's a lot of words that aren't amounting to anything here yeah they all came out of the um freaking cave they were in you remember those promos in the cave oh of course yeah the yeah. dungeon yeah sullivan my son and that was all good stuff i my favorite was in hulk hogan does his master class in acting when he gets teleported there or whatever the fuck. And, Where am I? Yeah. There are no Hulkamaniacs here. <laughs> like, like, what? Okay. First of all, how do you know? Yeah. That there are no assumption. Like, can you, can you feel it? Is it like a, like the spidey sense? Oh yeah. It runs through his, his new tricep vein that he always brings up in every show. He always has a new tricep vein. Yeah. Uh, right. But I don't know what what was worse the the video package of the Dungeon of Doom, or this co- I I already said it before but it's it's legitimately a cocaine induced uh, I'm sorry Agent Orange induced according to Hulk Hogan God promo from the Hulkamaniacs I mean I, I was watching this and I, I was ready to run through a wall after watching that it was it was probably the most hype shit I've ever seen in my life well. The the first thing I'm like, you know, I know it always says because anytime I bring this shit up on my podcast, my co-host is like, hey, card subject to change. I'm like, yeah, but if you know, like weeks and months in advance, you're still advertising this shit. Yeah, come on, man. They said that Vader went AWOL. It's like, no, you mean Paul Orndorff beat the shit out of him backstage and they fired his ass. <laughs> well, you know, it's not totally a lie. He went AWOL. Yeah, okay. Uh, so Sting voted for Lex Luger to be part of the team. So that's fun. Is it? Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I guess <laughs> I'm a fan of Luger's. I don't know. That's that again. That's not a, a popular opinion, but I I was always a yeah. Luger fan. He's okay. But yeah, that to your point, that freaking promo, dude, where Hogan's like, "We just drink a couple of gallons of Asian orange, dude," and I'm like, "That's not advisable." <laughs> now, like, all these kids are going to be getting into their parents' Agent Orange stash and chugging it. It's just the whole thing. Yeah, it, it, he was like, well, that makes us impervious to pain, brother. And I'm like, I, I don't think you know how Agent Orange works. <laughs> I don't think you know anything about anything, Mr. Hulk, sir. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. We, uh, we, they've all got camo on, so that's cool. Well, they're going but, to war, you see. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. But Hogan said he looked into Luger's eyes and he could tell he's American-made from head to toe. Yeah. So I guess that means he's trustworthy. Right. Well, you know, the, the underlying story is, you know, can Lex Luger be trusted? Because they're very uh, transparent with the fact that he's, I think they described it as he he's come to WCW from behind enemy lines. And uh, of course, he was like one of the first big, uh, you know, jumps from WWF to WCW. And we're fresh off of his debut. So it's still a thing like, oh, are you really with us or are you just a mole or whatever, you know? Um, you ever hear this? You ever hear about that? Like when he showed up on Nitro, uh, I guess the WWF crew was like flying to their next destination. They weren't watching live because Raw was taped. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they landed, Bruce Pritchard said he got a call from Pat Patterson. He's like, "Oh, you never guess who showed up on on Nitro? Luger." He's like, "Fuck him. He's their problem now." <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Luger was lighting the the world on fire in this past like last year in WWF, anyways. So. Um, Nobody complain. That's the weird thing. I brought. If you ever notice, anybody who dealt with him in WWF hated him. Anybody who dealt with him in WCW ne- doesn't hardly have a bad word to say about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I as a person, I, you know, uh, no, no, no judgment from me, but uh, he's really just uh, Kmart Hulk Hogan, really, when it comes down to it. <laughs> well, Sting had the best part of this whole promo. You know, yeah, what was that? As as Hogan's talking. Sting just runs by the camera and goes, woo, and that's it. <laughs> it really is just a lot of yelling. Um, a lot of steroids, a lot of yelling, a lot Lots of veins. Of sweat. Oh, yeah. Big meaty men smacking meat. God damn it. It's, like, it's, it's hype, though. I mean, Macho's like, oh, there's no dissension in the ranks. And then Sting's <laughs> like, ah, I'm sick and tired of talking. Luger's like, ah, bumbling over his words because it's Lex Luger. <laughs> And then if you watch any Sting promo from like uh, 90, probably mid 94 to mid 96, most of them consist of I ain't got nothing to say or I'm done talking or whatever. <laughs> it's like, so do you just not like promos? Like what's going on? Sting's fascinating because he's not very good at anything, <laughs> but he's so like, like his energy is just off the charts and he's so believable that people love him. And I, I just love, especially like his early stuff. I just love watching him. Yeah. I think at like Starcade 93, he like congratulated flair. I think that was the show and, or no, it was, sorry, I'm getting my shows mixed up. Somebody, no, good. but somebody came before him to congratulate. I want to say it was flair. Uh, and they said something and then he comes afterwards and you could tell the person before him said anything that needed to be said. So he's just like fumbling around for just shit to fill time. <laughs> yeah. And Sting's not the kind of guy you want out there just winging it on the, mm, on the mic. It's very, very, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, he speaks with his actions. 
Um, yeah. And when he, once he found a gimmick where he didn't talk, that's when he skyrocketed. So he didn't say a word for a year and like blew up. Yeah. Yeah. And then was, the first words he says uh, after not speaking for a year is he looks in the camera and goes, Mamacita. <laughs> I would listen to Sting just talk about anything for hours and get um, randomly hype. Yeah. Yes. But uh, the Hulkamaniacs are ready to uh, destroy the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, and, you know, if, if the if the Hulkamaniacs win, then that means Hulk Hogan gets the Taskmaster, a.k.a. Kevin Sullivan, uh, alone in the ring for five minutes. So that, those are the stakes here. There's just always a stipulation one way or another with Kevin Sullivan matches. It's really funny, though, because he's been wrestling like he's been a wrestler for you know the past year yeah. so it's like oh no no i gotta go wrestle a guy that's had a, a war games match like oh no but i, know, I was gonna say a, a guy who's been wrestling for well over a decade it's like oh no i'm fresh as a daisy and i gotta go in for five minutes with a guy who just got the shit beat out of him in a war games match whatever <laughs> will i do kevin sullivan sucked man. he's he's I, the worst fuck kevin sullivan. i never liked seven i from what I heard, he's great backstage. I don't give a shit about anything he ever did in the ring. He, oh man, because I mean, I started this WCW rewatch at uh, Spring Stampede '94, and uh, he's had a match on almost every pay per view. A lot of God them with Dave why. Sullivan. Oh man, um, yeah, both of them suck. Mister T came into the picture at one point. That was the whole thing. Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah, well, he. He was always getting creepy with the ladies, you know, because if you go back in 88, 89, it was him and uh, I think it was 88. He would him and the varsity club would go after Jimmy Garvin and Precious. Mm -hmm. He was like always locking himself alone in a cage with her and shit. And that was that's why I say it's like, why is this always a stipulation of of his matches? Like Sullivan alone with somebody in a cage for five minutes. Like, what the F are you going to do with her, man? Oh, Kevin Sullivan just built like a guy that belongs in a cage. You know, so he looks like Danny DeVito with blonde hair. <laughs> How dare you besmirch the name of Danny DeVito? <laughs> yeah, right. You got me for five minutes. <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't have a lot of notes on the match itself because ultimately it's just a lot of mindless oh, nonsense. Yeah. Um, but we, can we talk about the cage for a second? So the cage comes down, right? With the mm. sketchiest pyro I've ever seen in my life, uh, on top of the cage, it's just kush, 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 like for, there's no like rhythm to it. It's just explosions on top of the cage. Um, That's the best part. It's unpredictable. The fact that it didn't fall from the sky is, is enough uh, for it to be a win uh, as far as the show goes. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, and naturally, you know, in these these war games matches, you have your two workhorses uh, start the match. So the, Hulk, the Hulkamaniacs have Sting. Uh, the, the Dungeon of Doom have Shark. Yeah. Because, you know, if there's a dude I want being my Iron Man, oh yeah, fucking Shark. The cardio in this John Tenta fella. I mean, he's... Who they uh, announced, by the way, at 540 pounds. He's like half the size he was as Earthquake. <laughs> yeah, but... When you add gills and fins to your body, that add those are very dense components. Yeah. So uh, he's not a fish; he's a man. Is that what he said? That's what, when he became John Tenta. Yeah, he's like, I'm not a fish; <laughs> I'm a man. It's a hard, like, 
that's a hard gimmick to come out. I mean, I guess when you were earthquakes, not that far fetched, but God, yeah. Well, he's a shark, so he's biting his opponent. Sting here, he's just, nah, 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 just biting his arm because uh, I don't know if you heard. He's a shark. Um, he, he smells yeah. what he smells blood. So uh, <laughs> there's you know the war games nowadays. You just kind of like win an advantage, and then it's just you know people come out. And, and, but this time there's like a coin toss, which they never show. Um, Something tells me those coin co- tosses aren't legit because the horsemen have never lost. They just they know how to work it. It's they're yep. like five hundred and O. The the luck on these horses they, they have horseshoes, right? Yeah. Well, I, there, there's God. a there's a there's a joke somewhere. Um, oh, well, we'll add it in post. But uh, <laughs> pause for editing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the match happens. People get in there, and then it's over. So shark uh, was also blown up in five minutes. By the way, well, he's not in water. So they don't oh, survive. Oh, God. Why didn't I think of that? You're right. You're really just a silly goose. I mean, it's right, it's right in front of me. It's so obvious. On. It's like you're not even paying attention. Fucking. Yeah. Luger and yeah, everybody's in the ring at the end. Because, of course, you can't win the match until everybody's uh, in the match. And you can only win by submission or surrender, which I think is a cool yeah. little element that the match lost beyond. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, at some point, Luger and Savage start fighting with each other. I missed what happened. I didn't really care enough to rewind. Um, but I guess there was some sort of miscommunication. Oh. Somebody hit somebody. Yeah, Luger accidentally hit him, and that set him off. Mm. Right. Uh, Hogan comes in when he, because of course he's the last person in, because why wouldn't he be? Um, comes yeah. in with powder, was a mysterious white powder. Uh, I guess he had some like true baby face. Yeah, <laughs> and just powder like it's endless powder. He's just powdering everybody in the eyes. Um, yeah, just a lot of stuff going on. No, no, really rhyme or reason to anything happening. Uh, Hogan eventually makes the Zodiac submit via the Camel Clutch, broke his back and made him humble. Let me tell you, irony, huh? Yeah, uh, but yeah. Well, so you I guess it. he kind of made him submit because he yelled, "Yes, no." Yes, no, no, yes. And they <laughs> were like, uh, sure, he's quitting. Hey, yeah, ring the bell. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So uh, the Taskmaster tries to run away because they're like, oh, uh, they die. I got to get in the ring with them for five minutes. And uh, they chase them. Shouldn't they eat this meal before coming out? <laughs> Had a carbo load. And then, uh, <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> He, he's loaded already. But oh, uh, God. so eventually Sullivan gets in the cage with Hogan. They start going. Well, Hogan starts beating on him. And then uh, the giant comes in somehow. Yeah. I forget. How does he get in the cage? Does he like rip the door open or something? Uh, or, was, or is it even yeah. closed? The giant comes out. Uh, he moves. I just like, I don't remember. Oh, uh, he. I don't know. Rips or does he I'm, does he take his monster truck and run through the cage? Yeah, God. Uh, <laughs> that uh, I think he just because I forgot to write it down. I think he just ripped the damn door off. The I saw Kevin Sullivan in the ring. And I was like, let me look at my phone for a few minutes. And then I look up and then the big show's there um, breaking the neck of Hogan, I guess, because you see a little bit of for, murder for like the first time. 
<laughs> Which, but I totally forgot to bring out the monster truck in the beginning. Uh, I guess earlier in the day, uh, Hogan was out there with his Hulkamaniacs, you know, a pep rally of sorts uh, on his motorcycle. Uh, and then the giant turns the corner in a monster truck and runs over Hulk Hogan's motorcycle with this monster truck. Was this a show? God, I for- they're all running together. I knew that happened at one point. I was like, this is the goofiest shit. Well, we have. You're the, right. This is God. Yeah. Yeah, we have the official monster truck match at Halloween Havoc, I believe. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll call it a match. Is that when? Is that when the Yete comes and butt fucks Hogan into submission? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, you know, one in the front, one in the back, man. <laughs> that's how. They that's s- how they do it. They sandwich Hulk Hogan. Man, that was that was the show where uh, he went off on where Hogan went off on Dave Meltzer where he like held up a piece of paper and he was like, observe this. And then he like threw the paper in the fire. Showed him. Showed yeah. him. So yeah, the giant comes in, he beats down Hogan, like twists his neck and leaves him laying. Hulkamaniacs run off the giant. And that's pretty much how the show ends with Hogan, just a corpse in the ring. And I uh, got some monster trucks coming up in a few months. So uh, yeah, good stuff. Fall Brawl 95. <laughs> nobody gave a shit about the five minutes because nobody gave a shit about Kevin Sullivan. So they're like, whatever, who cares? Yeah. Uh, Michael Buffer yeah, saying over the uh, the house speakers, we need paramedics down here. Like that was. I can't stand Michael Buffer. I don't know what it is. It's a way. He, so uh, the, the man to my left corner in the red trunks. Filed his taxes last week. Uh, just random facts about they each. I don't know. He's just so my, much. My favorite uh, announcing was it might have been the finger poke of doom show when Kevin Nash comes to the ring and he has a Cody Rhodes level of pyro behind him to the point of where he stopped, looked back and was like, whoa. And then he kept walking <laughs> uh, Michael Buffer says uh, something. I'm going to paraphrase here but it's basically um he's a citizen of uh he he calls himself a citizen of detroit but his accolades make him a citizen of the world and i'm like the fuck does that mean (laughs) those are just words you know like that doesn't like you're literally just like dragging it out like did you write this down and you're (laughs) reading it it's like you didn't know how this was gonna end yeah it's very bad it's like he was buffing for time or something and I've got to, I point this out on my show because like Conrad Thompson actually ruined this for me. And the more I'm watching, I'm like, God dang it, he's right. Hogan has always just been a big shit heel. Yeah. If you ever watch his matches, he gouges eyes, he rakes backs, he chokes with, with his wrist tape. He, he, even as a baby face, he used that damn weight belt. Here yeah. he's using, and I know it's anything goes, whatever, who gives a shit, but the baby face is going to come in right away, just start powdering people in the eyes. What a well, dick. Well, it's, 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 it's a war. You see, I mean, anything goes to love and war is what, is what they say. Yeah. But it's like the dude, like the strongest man in the world or the biggest pythons, whatever is going to come in and just start powdering people in the face. Like, but the thing like, is Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan is merely a human. Whereas you have uh, true monsters in Kamala. I mean, he's a Ugandan giant. You have, uh, yeah, what do they call Ming? His stupid headdress. The, the face uh, of terror. The face of the, terror. 
I think I was. Yeah, yeah I wrote yeah. it down. It's the face it's of terror. Yeah, I mean sharks. Sharks are huge. Yeah, this was the first show of the entire year, by the way, that Mang wasn't wrestling in a suit. <laughs> well, he's had some classics against Jim Duggan. Yeah, uh, and, you know, if, if WCW really was the who gives a shit crew back at this time, man. <laughs> Dude, look, at least this show did not have Jim Duggan r- walking around there with his stupid stick and his stupid shorts and his stupid, oh, and it runs at him, it hits him and pins him. Well, are you ready? Are you ready here? I think coming up here real soon, he's about to start a, f- a feud with uh, Big Bubba over... Uh. Um, it's God. a uh, taped fist feud because, like, Jim Duggan finds out he's got, like, Irish taped fist fighters in his heritage somewhere. So now he's going to start fighting with taped fists. I could go I could go for an hour on this taped fist nonsense because he just had a match, a taped fist match with, I think it was Ming. Um, but he, yeah. so the, the, the premise of taped fists is that you tape your fists and so it like protects them and it, but also it creates like a, a surface that could cut you open easier, I believe, or you, at least you could punch more. It doesn't add power to your punches. So Jim Duggan will just take the tape, wrap it around his fist, really like you're about to wipe his ass with toilet paper and just punch his opponent like they're fucking brass knuckles. It's like, no, yeah. dude, just take your stupid two by four that you bring out with you and hit him with it. Not your stupid piece of tape. Yeah, I think it was, uh, and he's another one. He's a dumbass like, and a Jim dick. Duggan. Like there was, I want to say it was WrestleMania three. Yeah, yeah, it was WrestleMania three. He was like seconding uh, a tag team against uh, Koloff and Iron Sheik, and just out of nowhere, he gets in the ring and freaking blast Sheik in the back with his two by four. And it's like, what a dick! Like, Sheik wasn't <laughs> even breaking the rules. Yeah. And then he's like, if you don't play fair, neither will we. I'm like, what the fuck did they do? <laughs> You must just say. Like, yeah. He's like, well, you're not from here. Therefore, you're bad. Yeah, you dirty. Uh, yeah. Edit, edit, edit slur here. God. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Jim Duggan can eat my ass. But, you know. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, first of all, Fall Pro 95. I mean, we've talked a lot about it. Any other overall thoughts on the show? Um, it was slightly above average. That last match, I was somewhat entertained just because it took place between two cages. Yeah. That was was about it. The opening match, the uh, Flair and Anderson match, uh, those were both really good. Mm -hmm. And DDP made his match watchable. So, yeah, again, you know, just it's like a like a shit meadow with some flowers sprouting out of it. So, uh. But uh, yeah, yep, good stuff. But yeah, what is not a shit meadow? It's the main event, Marks. Uh, thank you once again for uh, making the time to uh, come on the show, uh, re revisit your notes of, of your previous recap, and come talk about it. Where can everybody find you and listen to you guys? Uh, well, the easiest place is just to go to our link tree. Uh, it's linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. We got all of our social media on there as well as our um, anywhere you can listen to the podcast and our merchandise stores and all that. It's real easy. And our YouTube, uh, I post new stuff on there almost daily. I, I actually took a pause from working on YouTube content to hop on here. So uh, that's youtube.com 
forward slash C forward slash main event marks podcast because somebody I think already took main event marks. So what an asshole. I know, right? They're not the real main event marks. We, <laughs> we are. We're not just marks, we're main event marks. Once again, thank you to Troy from the Main Event Marks podcast for joining me on this stupendous episode of The Apron Bump. Go check out Troy and the rest of the Main Event Marks boys wherever you listen to podcasts. All their info in the description. Really, really fun podcast to listen to, so go check it out. And uh, ApronBump.com for all my full episodes. Apron bump on Twitter, apron underscore bump on Instagram, although I don't really use that anymore. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. That's, that's all that's all daddy has for you today. Um, man, what a time. You know, I had a um like a like a, a year ago or whatever, I bought a uh like a zip up tank top that was a camo, right? Because I was thinking, I was like, oh, it'd be funny to wear some camo for the for, for the YouTube viewers, but I'm looking, I don't really have any camo. Um, <laughs> I started talking like this is going to be an interesting story and it's like, oh, I don't think it is. Um, but it was like, it was a small zip up tank top. It would have been funny, right? Right. Would have been too bad. It wasn't. Um, <laughs> that's all I got for you. Uh, no cats to interrupt here. Got the door closed. Uh, just my own pussy. So, uh, <laughs> I can't just be like, Hey, thanks for coming, everybody. Good night. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming, everybody. Good night. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your ball sacks. Unless you're neutered. Yeah. I'm hard.